Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to the final Hawks Insiders match recap podcast. Round 24 is in the bin. A bit like Hawthorne's performance was from the bin as they were well beaten. Uh, Fremantle kicked 49.93. Hawthorne kicked 8.856 in front of a healthy 27,000 fans at the MCG. I'm joined by Danny Prince. Hello, Danny. Ash, good to be here, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's always good to be chatting to you. It's not as enjoyable after a pretty ordinary performance, but um, I'm sure we'll break that down. It was an ordinary performance, and you could sort of tell uh, Hawthorne got two early goals and then got a bit careless with the footy for about from about 12, 13 minutes into the first quarter, and that was more or less the uh, how the game panned out. They were a bit flat and listless, and I, I suspect three big weeks. Really, I mean, they had two good months. They, they would do a bad game, so... The bad game came in the final game season. So as, as the person I was at the game with said, it was bookended. A crap yeah. one to start with and a crap one to finish. It, it was. And um, unfortunately for my two sons, my eldest two sons out of the three, they uh, they came to both those bookend performances. Um, so they saw us get smashed by the Bombers in round one, and then they saw that uh, pretty pitiful performance in round uh, 24. So uh, they were the only two games they went to this year and uh, hoping for better results next year. Well, good news is we know that uh, your boys won't be, uh, won't be swayed. No, that's that's all. They will no. be uh, brown and gold till they die. Uh, Hawthorne had 383 disposals to 377. The kicks was 2112 to 212 to 211 to Freo. Handballs 172, 165. The Hawks 47.45 inside 50s to the Hawks. Um, efficiency, efficiency inside 50, a telling one 53%. Freo 43%. Hawthorne. Hawks had 43 hit outs to 28. It's been a bit of a pattern of winning the hit outs, but um, as what's been a yeah, good second half year for Ned Reeves. Clearances 3724. Um, Clearances 13-9. Stoppage Clearances 24-15. Sam Mitchell pointed out a lot of the key stats actually favoured the Hawks, but it was what they were doing four to the ball. I think that let them down. Um, contested possessions 117 to 115 to the Hawks. Turnovers 67-56 to the Hawks. Um, and Marks. Inside 50, 14, 10 to Frio. Another key stat. Contested marks, 12 to 5. Another important stat. And 67, 55 to Frio for intercept marks, which I think also partly told the story of the game. Any quick comments on those before we look at the players, Danny? Uh, I think the other thing I would say about the game, it was really, really obvious that the way that... Um, Frio set up behind the ball, really restricted our run and gun sort of um, way we like to to play forward of the ball. Um, and they they had a very sound defensive setup, very structurally sound, um, and they just restricted the space. And it felt like playing what it felt like what I thought it would be like playing against um, you know, Clarko's cluster and stuff like that 
back in the day, you know, um, it was really, really hard to, def- uh, to score against and to penetrate. So um, that's something for this young team to sort of work out when it's not all going your way. How can you find other avenues to goal? I think that's, that's the biggest thing, because like you said, a lot of those key stats, other than sort of marks inside 50 and contested marks, most of them were in Hawthorne's favor. So they got their hands on it enough, uh, but they just weren't a hundred percent sure what to do with it. And I think, look, Mitch Lewis probably makes a huge difference there just in straightening us up, but we can't rely on somebody like Mitch Lewis because he only plays 14, 15 games a year. So um, we need other options forward of the ball and uh, we need to work out other ways and other avenues to go when things aren't going our way. Last week, I saw Mitch Lewis in the moon boot. On Saturday, I saw him wearing the compression compression bandage on his leg. So not quite sure what's going on there. Okay, number one, Harry Morrison. He had, uh, as I caught the stats, 17 disposals, eight and nine, four marks, four tackles, um, 71% disposal efficiency, four contested, four contested possessions, three turnovers. He had um, four marks, all uncontested, 255 metres gained. Danny. Yeah, not not Harry's finest performance. Um, he's had a solid block of games since coming back into the Hawthorne team. This wasn't one of them for me. I, did, I didn't, I thought both he started on, I think he started on Michael Frederick uh, and copped an absolute bath and then was moved across onto the other wing and Liam Henry gave him a bath there too. So um, not much to contribute in a positive sense, but he was uh, well and truly uh, cleaned up uh, by Frio's wingers who really had their way with our wingers. I thought on the, uh, on the day. Uh, I'd give him a five, just gets a pass. Yeah, we'll debate players in a bit more detail. We're actually going to do a series of player review, season review podcasts, which will start rolling out in the next little while. I can put a time on it, but look out for those and we'll debate the players and their seasons in more depth. So if you're looking for the in-depth discussion of the season, that will come, just not on this podcast. Number three for Hawthorne, John Newcomb, 23 disposals, 15 and eight, kicked a goal, six marks, uh, 78% disposal efficiency, nine contested possessions. He had six turnovers, five intercept possessions, one goal assist, six score involvements, um, 501 metres gained, 17 centre bounce attendances, um, six inside 50s as well. Um Busy, but not one of his best games. I think uh, the anticipation when he gets the ball is remarkable. He gets the biggest cheer now when they announce the players on the screen for the game. He's the hero now of the Hawthorne fans. Um, but on a day when the midfield went okay, but arguably the two most influential players in the ground were Sarong and Brayshaw for Fremantle, the, the counterparts. Young played a great game for them as well. I would say that John Newcomb probably uh, a six and a half would yeah, do it. I think, I think that's fair. Number four, Jarman Impey, uh, 24 disposal, six and eight, nine marks and a tackle, uh, 71% disposal efficiency, six, uh, um, eight contested possessions, four turnovers, nine intercept possessions, three score involvements, 264 metres gained, Um Four rebound fifties. Had a bit of a mare early, Danny. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a tale of two halves for Jars. His um first half I thought was terrible. Um uh but his second half was not too bad. Um so you know one of those yeah I, I, 
uncharacteristic start to the game for for Jars. But what I really like about the way that he operates is he never stops giving effort. He never stops trying. So he was continually, even though he'd started so poorly, he was continually presenting, continually wanting the ball, um, trying to create run and drive off halfback. And you you can only respect that. So um, I'm going to give him a six out of 10. Um, and that's on the back of his willingness to work through some early troubles. He, um, a few times Hawthorne looked dangerous in the second half. He thought maybe they're going to be able to come back. Well, it didn't really happen because they could never string two goals together on the trot. But uh, Impey was the player who looked like he'd get him back in the game. James Warple, 23 disposals, 14 and 9, four marks, four tackles, and a lovely goal. Um, 78% disposal efficiency, six contested possessions, six turnovers, four score involvements, 261 metres gained. 20 centre bounce attendances. More of the same from Warple. Industrious, worked hard. One of Hawthorne's better players in a midfield that, you know, it was an interesting battle with the, with the Frio counterparts. He's just looking so much like the player who, and he won't win the best in Ferris this time around, but he's looking very much like the player who won the best in Ferris in 2019. And you wonder where has he been? Where was he for the three intervening years? But he seems to be back armed with a two-year contract um, everyone's very happy about. So I gave him a seven. Any yeah, other? absolutely. And yeah, thir- no, 31 uh, pressure acts is is a phenomenal effort. I think eight more than anybody else for Hawthorne. And um, one of the only guys, there was only a few of them that actually looked like putting it, making a tackle on the day. Um, we were, I think we were inept in our defensive pressure. He wasn't one of those. This guy was inept. James Sicily, 25 disposals, 22 and 3, 12 marks, a tackle, kicked in behind. 84% defensive half was pushed forward at three-quarter time in the old endeavour to try and win the game. Didn't last long. No, 88% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, 11 intercept possessions, five turnovers, five score involvements, 456 metres gained, nine rebound 50s, um, Danny, uh, probably Hawthorne's best player. Yeah, I would say it was. It's either him or Dylan Moore uh, were Hawthorne's best players. I, I think I thought James was very good. Uh, there were a couple of moments of, I want to say, like a little bit of laziness or a little bit of, um, yeah, he wasn't quite switched on or as switched on as he could be. Um, but, you know, he was clearly the best defender in our setup today, like he has been all year. And he, I'm I'm very, very confident he's going to get his All-Australian uh, jersey this year. I think um, I think if and when he does, it'll be very well deserved. Uh, I'm going to give him a 7.5 out of 10. I thought it was a very solid performance and decent way to finish off a very, very good season for Sis. If Elon Musk hasn't broken Twitter, slash X already, the finishing touch to breaking Twitter would be for Toby Green to be All-Australian captain on Wednesday night and for Sis to be a vice-captain. Oh. How good would that be? Oh, it would be something. It would be something. <laughs> Can you uh, put a seven-second delay on Twitter? Yeah, either be that or... Um... Or Sicily not being named in the All Australian team, you'd have Hawthorne supporters raging, absolutely oh. raging. Sam Mitchell would be raging. Well, he was uh, raging last year, so he'll be raging again this year. There'll be pitchforks at uh, 140 Harbour Esplanade 
Docklands. Don't you worry about that. Flaming ones as well. Ned Reeves, the big noodle, eight and eight marks. Was eight disposals, three and five. Eight marks eight. Would be nice. Yeah. Uh, hello, Bradley. Eighty uh, percent offensive half, sixty-two percent disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions. Um, he had two turnovers, one intercept possession, three score involvements. Um, he had four centre clearance. A couple of his bit of his centre clearance work was brought on elite at times. Yep. Um, eighteen centre bounce attempts, thirty-nine ruck contests. Um, that seems to be the main stats for him. Um, I think he's had really good. We've said before he's had really good last six weeks of the season. Different sort of player to Luke Jackson. Jackson is just a mobile midfielder, so it was a different sort of ruckman that he was up against. He's had a good few weeks against the big lumbering ruckman who like him. Um, Jackson is a different sort of player entirely. Hawthorne didn't, doesn't really have the sort of rucks who can go with someone like Jackson. Um, not many, not many do when he was playing the, the way he did on Saturday afternoon. I'll give Noodles uh, five and a half. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and just credit to Luke Jackson. He he absolutely towered up the Hawks. He, he is he is agile. I didn't. I'd watch him play as a forward for the D's, but watching him play in the ruck, no wonder they spent what they spent to get him because he's he's unreal. I'm not sure they'll make it work with Darcy and. You know, out of mind, out of sight. Everyone's, uh, you know, talking about calling uh, about Melbourne with Gorn and Grundy, but uh, Darcy and Jackson, interesting one as well. Arguably, they're better side with just Jackson the ruck. I, I'd be if I was free, I'd, I'd be moving Darcy on. I'd just be, yeah, because you get a heap for him too, because so, he's so good. Premium for him. You get about five yeah. clubs. Sydney, Geelong, Port Adelaide would sell the firstborn to get their hands on Darcy. But yeah, that's for our friends. Yeah. That's for poor, our poor at, Lloyd Me. Yeah, that's for our friends at Freo Insiders. Uh, that's right. That conversation. Carl Amon, Danny, twenty-three disposals, twenty and three, nine marks, a tackle, a goal, seventy percent disposal efficiency, seven turnovers, one intercept possession, four score involvements, uh, all nine marks uncontested, five hundred forty-eight meters gained. He had um, one tackle. The tackle is not really his thing. Took three kick-ins as well. Uh, had to his game. Well, you forgot his uh, his most important stat was uh, one fantastic interview with you after the match. <laughs> um, no, he was – he got his hands on it enough, but I, he was uncharacterist, uncharacteristically poor by foot, I thought, at times, and the seven turnovers reflect that. Um, beautiful goal from 55. Um, and, uh, you know, that was when I was like, oh, maybe, maybe the Hawks. Maybe the Hawks are still in it, but they weren't. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't Amon's best game. Um, but if you're playing it, if you've got a down game and you you've got 23 disposals, nine marks, and a goal, you know you're going all right. And I think I think he's proven uh, week in week out that he's been a really good acquisition for the Hawks. I think he'll be better for it next year. His comments kind of indicated that in the chat that he had with you, Ash, you know, that it took him a while to sort of understand his new teammates and the role and what was expected of him and all of that sort of thing. And um, interestingly enough, he, he mentioned he'd played in the back half of the year, a bit more behind the ball, uh, a bit more off half back, which I hadn't really picked up on too much. I, I'd seen him line up on the wing a bit anyway, but maybe he'd been starting on the wing and then dro- being that, that seventh man in the back line and, 
generating the runoff halfback. But um, yeah, look, not not his best game, but a, a solid uh, a solid performance. I give him a six and a half. Well, we had Ward and Morrison playing sort of the orthodox wingman, and it opens up the possibilities for next year. I think everybody wants to see CJ come in and be tried as an orthodox wingman. See how that goes as well. So they've got a lot of sort of options in that part of the ground, not too many closer to goal, but a plethora of talent in and around halfback and the wings and the flanks. So that's one of the projects for Sam Mitchell over summer to get that sorted out. But Amon's emblematic, and we'll talk about that. We might get Mackenzie Morgan on for that season any podcast. The two of you can go head to head again. Yep. Emblematic no. of it. <laughs> Down for em- it. Emblematic of a team that had a better second half of the year than the first half of the year. He's the poster boy for absolutely for that. Uh, Connor Nash, 23 disposals, interesting breakdown, four kicks, 19 handballs. I want you to explain that to me. Six tackles, um, 87% disposal efficiency, very easy to do when you're mainly disposing by hand. Uh, seven contested possessions. He had um, two turnovers, one intercept possession, six score involvements, 119 metres gained. Five of his clearances. One was a centre clearance. He had 18 centre bounce attendances altogether. Um, again, I made one explanation for that more hand handball and the kicking was he didn't have as much time to to use the footy and just lurch it forward. I think he was you know under pressure a bit more with ball in hand. Um, He's had an outstanding season. I wrote on SEN Digital the other day that he's Hawthorne's most improved player. I can't see anyone beating him for that award at the uh, PCM in a few weeks. Just been a really solid season for him. Um, tw- 12 months ago, most of us had him, you know, thought that Cooper Stevens would be ahead of him. You know, they got, brought Stevens from Geelong to take his spot. Well, Stevens hasn't played a game all year because Nash wouldn't let him. So it's been a great season. We'll get back to the season review, obviously down the track, but uh, I gave him a six. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and he's the anti-James Sicily, isn't he? Sicily would have 19 kicks and four handballs and Nash yeah. has four four kicks and 19 handballs. So Will Day, 30 disposals, 10 and 20, uh, three marks, two tackles, did not score. 70% disposal efficiency, 14 contested possessions, five turnovers, three intercept possessions, one goal assist, five score involvements. Um, he had 16 pressure acts, 343 metres gained, two tackles, five inside 50s, um, 20 centre bounce attendances. You'll have to talk about Will Day. Talk about him one more time. Uh, yeah, one one more for the road. Um, not what not his best performance, obviously. Um, still finished our um, leading disposal getter on the ground. You'd like to see it, uh, his disposal breakdown be more twenty and ten as opposed to ten and twenty, um, because he generally uses the ball well by foot. Um, the problem with t- this weekend's performance was there was at least two that I can remember times where he used the ball going forward, kicked it long straight to Fremantle players with not a hawk in sight. Um, Very unwill day like, which made me think half these blokes were mentally already in Ibiza or uh, Mykonos or wherever they're headed. Uh, The boys are going to America this year. Oh, they're going to America. There you go. You got the inside word, but look, day was far from our worst. I'd still say he'd be in our top handful of players. So um, I'll give him a, seven out of 10, but yeah, I think, I think the biggest watch for him and we'll talk about this in the player review pod um, is just to, just to improve the, the 
efficiency the ball use because he's such a good user by hand and foot. So you want that up really, really high and you want him to be getting it more on a little bit more outside than he does. Um, you know, 20 handballs indicates he got it in tight and had to get rid of it quickly. Uh, he'll be coming on Hawks Insiders as well this week. We, uh, our last chat with him for the year, we'll be uh, recording that sometime this week and we'll turn that around as soon as we can. So you'll hear from the man himself. He'll self-scout his season for us, which will be a great conversation to have. So we look forward to him joining us and talking about the season in the next few days. Uh, Dylan Moore, your, uh, I think you'll get your three votes today, um, but I get to rate him. Yep, 37 definitely. disposals, 15, 12, nine marks, six tackles, one goal, two. He had um, eight contested possessions. He had six turnovers, uh, zero intercept possessions. Um Seven score involvements, took nine marks, all uncontested, two marks inside 50, 400 metres gained, 23 pressure acts, six tackles, five inside 50s, um, a terrific day's work, one of his best games for the season. I think, you know, we've talked at length that uh, I think he, and he's admitted himself, he struggled a little bit with the dual burden of you know, trying to develop his game and be the vice captain, but... Uh, he was one of the few players early who was playing well and he continued it through the game. Um, I give him a seven and a half. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he, yeah, he was my best on for the Hawks and, um, and, and probably because he was the one player that I saw throughout the game constantly and consistently bring the energy and the pressure and the defensive stuff uh, when a lot of his mates uh, didn't. So, uh, kudos to him for that. And it's nice that we see him finish the season so strongly because I, I feel like it's a really good reflection of what's in what's in store for next year. Jack Scrimshaw, 13 disposals, six and seven, six marks, three tackles, one goal, one. Um, he had uh, 69% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, two turnovers, two intercept possessions. He, he had five score involvements, one goal assist, uh, six marks, one of which was contested, two marks inside 50. That was because he played for a big chunk of the game as a forward for the Hawks. Yeah, 80%. Se selection was interesting. I'm pretty convinced that um, I want to have a look at – there was a touch of experimentation about the team. Yep. Um, they want to have a good look at Sarong playing his role as the sort yep. of the, as, as a sort of third tall. In the back line, I'm convinced that they – dropped Rams and to keep him fresh for Box Hill. I think Zane Littlejohn pleaded with uh, Sam Mitchell to say, I'd need Max playing for Box Hill in the finals. So they thought, well, let's not get him injured. Let's not risk of getting him injured in this game. So we'll throw the team around a bit and one of those will be scrim up at forward. So what do you make of his game? Uh, as a forward, he's a natural defender. <laughs> um you Took know, a couple of marks there. Couple, at couple of long bombs, yeah. scrim worked at one stage, or Def definitely, definitely. I, I just, I don't know. I, I must rate him a lot higher than the Hawthorne coaching staff and selection committee because, for me, he'd be a lock in my starting back six. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like for the Hawks, he's definitely not. So, um, yeah. Look, he, he was okay. He was, he was far from our worst, but, um. But he, I don't think he's a forward. And I, I understand you want to have a look at um, Jai Sarong and all of that sort of thing. But um, I, I don't know why it has to be Scrimshaw's season that gets sacrificed. I mean, you know, there's there's some whispers as to why. But 
Um, yeah, I, I look, I hope he has a really big off season. I hope he comes back uh, if they don't trade him, uh, comes back really, really strong and fit and um, powerful and ready to go because um, I feel like there's a, a bit of a, there's got to be a bit of a chip on the shoulder and a bit of a retribution tour sort of thing that comes next year and some good form. Um, I give him a five and a half out of 10. There's some ex- exit interviews at Hawthorne. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for Oof. And that would be one, I think. Blake Hardwick, 25 disposals, 17, 8, 10 marks, 53% defensive half. And I thought he played a bit forward uh, during the game. Uh he had Sicily, six, Scrimshaw, and Hardwick all in, playing forward at one stage. In the last the start of last quarter. Half back line of, la, of most of the year. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, we keep it. Blake Hardwick won the TRC Cup goal kicking one year. That's right. Heard that a yeah. thousand times. Yeah. 84% disposal efficiency, six contested possessions, um, six turnovers, four intercept possessions, five score involvements, uh, 10 marks, all uncontested. One of those was inside 50, 336 metres gain, 10 pressure acts. Um, I thought he's just had a great year. He's had a great again. What he's hardly played. He's made two or three bad games for the year. In, in all these podcasts, I can't recall everyone saying that he had a really filthy day. Maybe one or two when the team generally did, but he's just been super consistent all year. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I didn't take copious notes on the weekend, so I don't know, know whose opponent was yesterday. Well, he's he's had taken some big scalps. Uh, to the cleaners this year, but I just thought he uh, thought he was pretty uh, solid. He might have played Schultz for a while, actually. Now think about it. Yeah, um, and I think he played a little bit on Swikowski, um for a period. But yeah, him and Schultz were going at it for a little bit, for sure. Yes, I imagine that uh, Andy Collins would have gone to Dimmer to say this is how you get into Schultz's head, given that Collins and Schultz have a great close relationship. We nearly got Schultz to Hawthorne a couple of years ago, thanks to Andy Collins. Got a big head. Uh, he's a very small body and a huge head, body doesn't and a he? huge head. He's got that bread he over. Does. I'm the, glad you uh, brought that up because I was thinking that on Saturday. He's got as the Brad, is, it, is it the Brad or the Brad Ebert? I think he's got the Brad Ebert head. Yeah, Brad Ebert. Brad, Brad Ebert yeah. head. Um, yeah. I give uh, Hardwick a six and a half. Yeah. Um, Lloyd Meek was a sub, came on at... Um, Weird sub choice. Weird yeah, sub choice. I, very weird sub choice. I'm not quite sure what they were thinking there. A couple of times the sub choice has been puzzling this year when the day blank was and then Meek was. I think, you know, Hawthorne won would have been a good question for Sam to ask what we're thinking, but it wasn't worth asking after a loss. Um, six disposals, two and four. Um, 100% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions there. Um, not a lot else to say as a sub. Do you want to give him a ranking? Yeah, I, I actually thought he was pretty good. Um, I don't know if that's just because I, I actually really like Lou Meek. I like the way he goes about it. But I thought he competed really hard, um, you know, obviously playing against Jackson. But, you know, he he I think he broke even with Jackson in the second half. Um, and, you know, he had six disposals in, in less than a half. Jackson had seven disposals after halftime. I thought it was pretty even. Um I actually thought he was a better matchup for Jackson all round, and I would have liked to have seen him. I know that Ned's the number one at the moment, but I would have liked to have seen Meek go for the full game against Jackson because he just moves around the ground far better than Ned Reeves. Um, I'll give him a six out of 10. Um, it's not really about the rating, but I, I thought like weird, weird, weird sub 
Um, you should never have a ruckman as a sub, but um, I thought he competed pretty well when he came on. Luke Bruce, um, huge day for Luke Bruce. He started the day at the MCG, finished it down Geelong. Yeah, a lot of travel. Clapping Isaac Smith off the ground, along with Ryan Schoenmaker. So they obviously hot-tailed it down the highway once I finished at the MCG. 12 disposals for Luke Bruce. Uh, He kicked uh, one mark, two tackles, kicked two goals, one. 83% offensive half, as usual. 58% disposal efficiency, uh, four score involvements. He had 134 metres gained. Um, multiple goal kicker in a team that kicked eight goals. That is of itself a pass mark. He will have the games where he takes opposition apart. There'll be other games where he just contributes. Um, there's not much more to say about Luke Bruce anymore. If he, if he gets two goals a game, he's done his job. Just that one, it was just that one in, I was at the final term where he was on the far boundary from me, in stepped in inside on his left foot and then just waited until he turned the ball over. Do you know what I'm talking about? He just needed to do his patent left foot snap, step inside left foot snap from about 30 out on the boundary and or 25 out on the boundary. And he just held it and just turned it over. And it was just strange. I was like, it's like, it was like um, it, he glitched. That's what it felt like to me. Like, you know, anyway, other than that, I thought he was fine. Jacob Kaczynski. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> three, six disposals, three ah. and three, a mark, a tackle, a goal. I'll say one thing. I think his kicking has become more reliable over the second yeah. half of the year. He, we were worried about, you know, I, I had him as hands, famously as hands of, Stone and feet of slate, but I think the feet of uh, his kicking for goal has been a lot better. So I'll give him that. 83% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions. Um, he had, uh, what have we got here? Two score involvements, seven metres gained. Um, at six hit outs, he attended five set of bounce attendances as the third, as the second ruckman. Um yeah, what do you think? Uh yeah. Yeah, no. Nah. No. Nah. He uh, he is okay if he's the second or third key forward. I think he he can perform a role, he can play a role. Um when he's asked to be the main man, he just he just doesn't have that in him. Um and yeah, we our our forward line was atrocious brandon ryan should not have played he was not fit enough to play yeah um and and when you've got him and kazitsky getting what like seven touches between them um yeah you're never you're not going to win a game of football so you know he had one he had i think he kicked our first for the day and and then after that you hardly saw him so four and a half out of ten four no four out of ten is he got contract for next year I think he does. Yeah. Well, he's got a big year coming up. I mean, you, you could. I'm you a believer that it can still work. Yeah, you couldn't move him on. Like we, we just don't have the depth in key position players to move him on, even if you wanted to. Um, so he needs to be here next year. But gee, they need more out of him. If he and Lewis can have a summer of working together, and without Lewis getting injured, then it's the last chance for for Cosy anyway. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Josh Ward started really well. Then he faded, but he's sort of working out at the end. 19 disposals, 7 and 12, 5 marks, 0 tackles, 
Um, we'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, 84% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions, two turnovers, one goal assist, four score involvements, 265 metres gained. Um, I'm a big fan of Josh Ward, but his refusal to lay a shepherd in the last quarter in the forward pocket in front of me and the MCC members, uh, which led to a turnover. Is damning, really disappointed that uh, he just didn't do the physical work required at that point of time. It's as unhorsemanlike not to go when it's your turn. And he basically didn't want to lay a shepherd nose. One act was, you know, one second out of the game, but uh, just emblematic of a player who's nearly there. He's got a lot of nearly traits about him. He's played some good games. His last couple of games, they've got a lot of touches. I mean, what do you say? He had uh, 19. 19, that's all right. Better than approval on the eight from last week, and he was industrious at the start. Well, four pressure acts and no tackles. Mm. It's a two way game, right? Like, yeah, you've got to be so, able to do both. So he's not Nathan Loney. <laughs> he's got <laughs> a funny story about uh, Ryan Loney the other day about the Brisbane Collingwood rivalry, and that uh, Ryan Loney got a whole lot of votes for the most courageous player in the. The AFL because the Brisbane players put him up for it. Uh, Fantastic. From 2003. Fantastic. Um, so, Josh Ward, you know, he's, he had a really good few weeks coming back on the side, disappointing last couple of weeks for the season. Um, I think it's clear what he needs to work on for his game next year. He, he's got the making of it. He, he should be, he's got all the tools to be a 250 game player, but yeah. I was a little bit disappointed a couple of acts on Saturday. So for me, he gets a four and a half. Is it harsh? No, I think that's fair because these, these blokes got to understand, you know, what makes, what makes somebody like John Newcomb so good is just like hard as a cat's head run straight into traffic head on. And not everybody's built like John Newcomb, but everybody has to put their body on when it's time to go. And I feel like Josh Ward hasn't quite gathered that yet. But so, I rate him as a player that I, Absolutely. I'm confident it will I'm confident it will come, by the way. Hundred percent. And he's just a second year player. So yeah. Um Jai Sarong, fifteen disposal, ten and five, seven marks, um, eighty two percent defensive half, four contested possessions. He had one turnover, four inset possessions, one score involvement, um, all these marks uncontested, 181 meters gained, nine pressure acts. Um Seven one percenters. I think he's got some traits, Danny. Yeah, I, I think there's something to work with. I think the switch to the back line, um, you know, halfway through this year for Box Hill um, was really promising. I think um, being able to play on um, the smaller of the key forwards um, for the opposition or the third tall for the opposition um, is a really good role for him. Um, Obviously, he got brought in. They wanted to have a look at him ahead of the finals, um, ahead of the Box, Box Hill finals and the end of the year. Uh, I liked that they gave him a full game in his position and they didn't try to, like, shuffle him around everywhere. And I thought he looked fairly comfortable, you know. He's probably got to work uh, on getting a lot stronger uh, because he got beaten in a few one-on-ones. Um, but, you know, we're talking about a, a 20-year-old kid in his second year, 193 centimetres, started the year as a forward. 
and um and now he, they've moved him back. So um I think there's something to work with there, and it's it's great to see um three of our uh 2022 no 2021 draft class um all in the same team and you know i think i've still got um high hopes for sam butler i think he'll still make it so you know if if sarong can hit we know water mcdonald will and if butler can hit then that's a very good draft for the hawks uh i give him a five and a half out of ten yeah that's a pretty fair one Ron McDonald had 20 disposals, but you know, 11 and 9, 7 marks, 4 tackles, kicked it behind. He had 2 contested possessions. He had 3 turnovers, 1 intercept possession, 5 score involvements, all marks uncontested, 19 pressure acts, 379 metres gained. Um, looked to me like a player who hit the wall a little bit as well, I think. He's running around a lot, got a bit of the ball, um, didn't have a major influence on the game that um, I'm prepared to give cut him some slack because I think he's had a, a terrific season um, by my favourite emerging players at the footy club. I'll give him a five and a half. Yeah, I think that's great. And shout out to my um, second eldest, my six-year-old Harvey, who um, got to choose what badge, his first player badge, um, he chose Connor McDonald. And has been running around the house, kicking the footy into the walls, yelling out Connor McDonald all day today and all last night. So um, I think we've got a new Connor McDonald fan, just like yourself and Daz, who's a massive Connor McDonald fan as well. You can let him develop a Connor McDonald hair, haircut. Uh, if that's what he wants, he can have it. That's fine. This is the front party at the back. Um, Absolutely. Finn McGuinness, seven disposal, three and four, one tackle. Um, 43% defensive half, 57 offensive half, two contest possessions, one turnover, one intercept possession, two score involvements, 90 metres gained. Um, what was his role? I was trying to work out who he's running with, and I, lost, I couldn't keep up after a while. Well, he, was, he, started, on so Luke, he started on Luke Ryan oh, yeah, as Luke a defensive Ryan, forward, yeah. and he played on him for the first quarter. Luke Ryan had one touch. Right. Then he was moved off him. I think he went to Sarong just for just so that we're aware of what happened after that for Luke Ryan. Luke Ryan had 20 touches in the last three quarters, including 10 the quarter after um, Finn went off him. So um, I, I thought the move was wrong. Um, Luke Ryan's a good player, don't get me wrong. But um, Freo have some fantastic midfielders. And I thought Finn could have, like, um, it's Andrew Brayshaw, isn't it? I always work yeah. out can't work out which one it's which Andrew Brayshaw kills us every time we play them like that's a natural one go and stick him on uh, on Brayshaw or Hayden Young who has been fantastic as a midfielder winning inside ball and delivering well or Caleb's wrong they're all there like pick one and just get him to run with them for the whole game and when you don't do that I think after a little while you sort of Finn's effectiveness is is limited you know, and in the end, he was playing as a back pocket so that um, Blake Hardwick could play up forward. And you know, there's not much value in that. You know, no. if you if you're going to pick him, pick him, play him on one of their most dangerous midfielders, and get him to shut him down because he's very, very good at that. We know he's very good at that. So I thought he was 
not I won't say he was let down by his coach, but um, I thought he was set up for failure today because he wasn't given a clearly defined role. He was chopped and changed. So unlucky for Finn, but he's going to get a four and a half out of 10 for me. Tony said to me that the, that game as well, by playing on Saturday, he was it tipped him out of box hill contention as well. So, Oh, that's stupid too. That's his, yeah, I can't be dropping. Uh, but that was his season goal. It could have been late withdrawal, maybe. That yeah, just, the, just he was ill. Like, it's not hard. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's had a great season. We'll talk more about him as we get uh, into the season review podcast. James Blank, seven disposals, four and three, three marks, um, five contested possessions. Uh, he had uh, two score involvements. Three three marks, one of was contested, 39 metres gained, not really the point for him. Six one percenters. He is slowly morphing into Hawthorne's number one key defender. I think he is pretty good. I think one on one he is getting better and better. I still fear you know, still look away when he's got the ball in space. And he's you know, not to you know, clear instruction handball or try not to kick more than 10 metres. Very deliberate kicking action if he's trying yeah. to kick more than 15 metres. It's like watching someone at Auskick. But he, um, his defensive skills have improved rapidly and we get very excited about Finn McGuinness. Sorry, not Finn, are we, about John, John Newcomb as a mid-season draft acquisition. He is raising the bar for those players every week in, in, across the entire competition. But James Blank was a pretty good pickup for a mid-season draftee as well. Um, the Hawks have done well there. Really interested to see what happens over the summer and how it all sets up for next season. I don't think the Freo forwards didn't... I mean, Amos did a couple of nice things, but didn't you know, take the game apart as he could have. Same with, I think, was it Tracy who played forward yeah. for them for a while as well. Um, there was a real... You know, kick a bag of goals against Hawthorne potentially. It never happened. It hasn't really happened all year. No one, no one's really got hold of Hawthorne all year. So not really. Not you know. Last time I think it was Tom Lynch, and that was last season. Mm. So I give Blank, I give Blank a five and a half, maybe even a six. He's just been he's been solid all year. I think round one, twenty twenty four, and I know we're going to get Brad to do one last selection dissection. Uh, in the next few days, he's going to pick his round one team for next year. I imagine Blank will be the starting defender in that. Yeah, it has to be. I think I think the only thing that I see other than his kicking that worries me is I'm not sure how quick he is off the mark. I feel like he gets beaten on the lead quite often uh, and can't make up that ground. But that's very hard. If you don't have that elite speed, closing speed, um, it's very hard to keep up with quick forwards on the lead because they get a head start. It's hard to track them down. But um. If you have a look, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but if I remember correctly, I think most of the time, um, most of the times that uh, Blank was beaten in inverted commas by his opponent was on the lead, one on one. When it's when he's got, he can use his physicality. He's pretty good. He's, and he, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about him. Other things come to mind now. We will save it for the uh, the reviews season review pods. Josh Weddle uh, had 17. Your boy. My boy. Actually, look at the stats. I thought he had more. but see, It felt like he had more, right? I, like I, it, I yeah. had the same. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was five, five, three, 
and three, but I thought he did better than that. Anyway, 16 disposals, seven marks and a tackle, um, 81% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions, two turnovers, two intercept possessions, one goal is just four score involvements, um, 369 metres gained, um, four inside 50s. You've got the, the rating, but it looked to me, Weddle, um, he tried to... He tried to get them back in the game. He, he had the, the self-confidence a couple of times to run with the ball. He said the centre corridor was being blocked, was largely well-policed by Frio. But a couple of times, Weddle did try and take him on. Um, and I'm convinced now that he is, he will be Hawthorne, if he's not already, he's Hawthorne's MCG specialist. I don't think he's played, he's hardly played a bad game. Since that, since his debut, he's yet to play a bad game in the MCG. Yeah, I, he loves huge twenty-seven thousand people crowds to play in front <laughs> of. Uh, that's tongue in cheek. Look, uh, you're right. I think it didn't all, always work, but um, I I loved the um the confidence of a of a guy in his first year to notice that the team didn't have that drive, that run and carry, and just think, you know what, let's try and get it going. So um, 16 disposals, seven marks is a decent outing uh, for the young bloke. I will give him a six and a half out of 10. Um, and I can't wait to chat about his season as an overall, because I don't think any of us saw that output coming. And um, yeah, sky's the limit. Henry Husswaite, 30 disposals, five and eight, three marks, three tackles, 54% defensive half, 100% disposal efficiency. Well done to him. Um, five contested, eight uncontested possessions, only one turnover, two intercept possessions, three score involvements, um, seven pressure axed, 23 metres gained, three centre bounce attendances. Everything about him is clean. Um, wasn't as noticeable this time around. Perhaps he did a couple of goals, but it just again looks pretty composed at the level. He is eligible for box hill. He'll go back and hopefully these two weeks at AFL level will make him a really important player for box hill over the final series. There, um, you're racing, I think. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I thought he was. He was okay without being, like you said, without standing out at all. Um, I'd give him a five and a half out of 10. Uh, he will take a lot of confidence into the VFL final series with the last couple of weeks playing at AFL level. And hopefully we see a really strong uh, final series for him and a big preseason next year. If he can just get a little bit quicker. The only concern I have with Hustwaite is, um, you know, how many of how many midfielders without leg speed can you carry in one team? Uh, and if you've got sort of Connor Nash who covers the ground well but not fast, if you've got James Warple who you know is not fast, if you've got Henry Hustwaite who's not fast, um, that's probably a few. That's probably one too many. Um, but you know, you'd be probably looking for Husswaite to eventually um, nudge out James Warple from the from the team in terms of where he gets his spot. So, um, yeah, uh, pretty promising last couple of weeks, last fortnight, and um, yeah, I give him a five and a half out of ten. Um, I'm not going to give the last guy a ranking because it would be uh, it wouldn't be right. He shouldn't have played. His name's Brandon Ryan. He had one touch. Um, the guy was in bed 
he's had a whirlwind season. He started the season, you know, as, as a hopeful for the Northern Bullants, and it's been a meteoric rise from there to the AFL to Hawthorne. But if the guy's in bed with a flu for a week, lost four kilos. That I was not aware of. Yeah, and he doesn't have four kilos to lose either. To I mean, lose, yeah, he doesn't have the base fitness required to play in the AFL. Why on earth did they pick him? He was yeah. a statue. He was a witch's hat. Yeah, I felt sorry for him. Me too. Actually, being out there because he just was no position to make a contribution. If they were just trying to take a play against his cousin, well, that's an even more foolish reason to pick in the first place. I'm not sold on like Fergus Green, but he would have been a far better option. Not as tall, obviously, but I would have tried the medium forward line with Fergus Green there. Um, yeah, disappointed. I haven't criticised selection too often this year, but that was a it was a strange choice at the time, and an even strange choice once the game unfolded. Yeah, absolutely, and and then doubling doubling down with having a ruckman as your sub because you don't it's not like you can inject any extra run by subbing out you know Ryan and going small in your forward line or anything like that you're stuck with the same problem you, you meat goes into the ruck Reeves goes forward you've got another statue up forward so um yeah it was it was just it was just weird it's just weird Be, just selecting him I felt yeah like you said I felt bad for him I mean it's funny they had they had a good run of injuries all year but by well, coming into the 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 year the structure was built last couple of weeks the structure's been all over the place. And you know, just it underlines again just how important Mitch Lewis is to that team. And how and how maybe how thin our depth is in our key position stocks as well. I think, you know, when Lewis is up and going and you know, Wingard was playing well, we're going, you know, oh forward line looks all right and the Hawks are not too far away. I I think the reality check of Lewis missing the last few weeks that he did is that there's there's nobody ready to step up and and step in to replace him. So, um, yeah, we really need a full fit Mitch Lewis for the whole year, and we need to work out who's number two and number three behind him, and they need to start kicking goals consistently. Yeah, well, they need. I, I think it makes the the choice of the draft he's trade for if Dursman's there, they've got to grab him. Yep. If and if he's not, I'd if he's not, I'd even be thinking Nate Caddy. Yeah, I'm not sure the wizard is he's known. I don't, and you know we can, they can lose Brockman and they'll lose Bruce twelve months down the track. But mm. I just don't. I think they need to find the tallest forward they can get. But maybe they could trade down for Caddy. But that might be possibly. Possibly, they will be available one or two picks later. So that whole lot of stuff to play. That's your 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 account as well. Yeah, so well, really, it's to... I'm I'm just coming through my preseason now, right, Ash? Like I'm into my season now. <laughs> My season now. We'll keep you busy. Yeah. Um, we sort of talked about the coach, a couple of puzzling uh, choices at selection. So probably not his best day at the office either. He he deserves a mulligan because by and large, he's coached superbly this year um, as well. But what to my closing thing about the game was it really did show, and I put this written this in the recap, which will come out in the next 24 hours as well, is that um, seven wins will go down as a pretty good season for Hawthorne. But, it's going to be tough for them to win the three more to get to 10, which I think is what would most support yep. would like to see next year. It's not going to be easy for them to get from seven to 10, seven to 10 is a very big jump. Yep. Um, and there were a bit of excitement. They could play finals next year. I think the last 
this week was a very sobering reminder that they, and Mitchell set it after the game himself, that they've got another solid development year coming up. And that was always what they said, the two years of development, really. It was, they had 44 games or even 66 games, if you count last season, of developments, the two-thirds of the way through the development phase. Um, and I think the draft free agency will reflect that. And the Saturday was sobering. They've still had a fair way to go. And that under <laughs> two weeks ago, they've been called the best team out of the eight. They ain't that. Um, and 16 is probably, and Mitchell's two credits said that along. 16 is yeah. probably where they deserve to be. Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think you, you posted that as well. I think, you know, watching the 16th best team in the competition. Um, and, and that's, it's so true. 16th best a, team in Australia. I call In it. Australia. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, good reality check going into the season. Actually, it's probably in the long run, it's not, it's probably a good thing for the Hawks because if they had had another really, um, good win against Frio off the back of what they'd done against the Bulldogs and, you know, um, Collingwood obviously and solid game against the Demons, um, maybe they get a bit ahead of themselves going into the next year as a playing group. I'm not saying Mitchell and his team would allow it, but um, you know, this is a, this is a reality bites type thing. And um, Hey, maybe you're not as good as we, as you think you are. So uh, the players will lick their wounds. They'll go away. They'll hopefully put in a really big off season and uh, we'll see how we go. But uh, I think it just, as you sort of touched on, it just reiterates the point that, uh, it's really important that the Hawks hit this draft really hard, that they go tall where they can, and that they just inject elite talent into the into the squad and into the team. Um, at the start of the year, I was saying, oh, you know, six changes to the list. I'm thinking probably looking at eight, and I know Brad has uh, his fingers all over that pie, but um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be surprising. Three responses to his. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Everybody wants to have their say when it comes to list changes and um, everybody has different opinions, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was anywhere between six and 10, I'm going to say eight list changes, which means there's going to be some, um, you know, tough calls that need to be made, uh, you know, in, in, in the off season. And a couple of surprises. Uh, and, and there might be, yeah, that's what comes with surprises it. Through either trade or delisting. That uh, is all to come. Um, over the next few weeks, we will be on spaces of Wednesday night to put a final bow on, at least on this game. We have a couple of guests. We've got someone coming on to talk about uh, AFLW, I believe, which is finalising that. And Ed Seal from Box Hill is going to join us as well to have a look for his regular check-in and to help us preview Box Hill's final series. Always wonderful to chat with Ed. Look out for Will Day coming on to review the season on Hawks Insiders. That will drop uh, sometime during the week. And uh, Rob McCartney's going to be with us before too long as well, uh, sometime later. in That'll be good. Sometime through September, Rob's going to come on also to wrap up the season, which will be fantastic. So we look forward to that. Lots of articles as well to come. Um, now, Wednesday night, actually, is the AFL Awards. We'll be dropping before and during the space as well. So we'll have a quick reaction to to that as well. So that'll be quite a busy pack spaces. Might be hard to keep that one to an hour. Danny, you'll be very pleased to know. Um, I believe it when I see it, Ash. <laughs> that one will drag on a bit. Thanks everyone for listening. For your support of Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 a year. The beauty of Hawks Insiders, I'm going to give the sales pitch now, is that the mainstream media will forget about Hawthorne. 
as they probably should for the next few weeks. But Hawthorne will always be front and centre here. So if you want to get great Hawthorne content, now more than ever, this is the place to come because it's always football season at Hawks Insiders. Hey, that's, we should keep that. That could be a new I think motto. that's a new motto. That's a new Bang. motto. That's, I'm going to change the uh, Twitter Twitter <laughs> bio. There you go. It's always football season at Hawks Insiders. So uh, there you wow. go. Uh, I'm an ad band from way back. Danny, thanks for that. That was good to chat. Thank you. I think the rest of the crew will be back at variously. We will start doing some player review season pods as well. Perhaps not for a week or two, but look out for those. That'll be a lot of fun. If you've got any input on players, hit us up now with your thoughts. We will incorporate them, of course, into the spaces. And a shout-out before we go to Keith Ho, who he bumped into me. Well, not quite true. He came and found me in the bowels of the great of the uh, of the MCG on Saturday. Wonderful to meet you, Keith. Your your support for what we do and your your I think your love for what we do on Hawks Otters was, was absolutely touching wonderful to meet you so it's anytime we bumped into someone who Brad got a shout out from someone on the train he told us as well someone heard his voice and said are you Brad from the Hawks Insiders and says he never misses a show so uh, to all of you we thank you for the, the the support over the and the feedback over the course of the season as I said we're going to keep it all coming ongoingly anyway so we'll talk plenty more to come Danny, thank you, and we'll talk to you again very soon on Hawks Insiders. Have a great one. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.